Hello, my friends, and welcome to episode 117 of the Between You and Me podcast. This is a place where we talk to music makers about the things that hurt, heal, and change us in church culture. Now, a quick update before we get to this episode and this interview. I know things have been quiet on social media and in releasing episodes lately. In the last six months, I have been going through some health concerns with migraines. And because of that, I haven't been able to do this work as much or as often as I'd like to. Sometimes it gets to a point where I'm sort of recording or I'm doing something and I just can't do it anymore, which is why so many of these episodes have been coming out quite a few weeks apart and I've been less active on social media. Um, So again, thank you for sticking with me through that. That's an ongoing process. Um, Because of that, Between You and Me will be a bit more sporadic in the next few months. My focus at the moment is on healing, but there have been really some fun interviews that have come up that I just really want to share with you. So occasionally when something pops up you'll be hearing from me if I feel like I've got energy one day to address something you'll hear about that on social media I'm sure Um, but just in case you were wondering where has Jessica been or why hasn't she been commenting on things aka the whole hill song saga that has been happening it's because I've been unwell it's not because I don't care so thanks for sticking with me and if you do enjoy between you and me please stay subscribed keep communicating with us on social media at Between You Me Pod because there will be new content. It's just going to be a bit slower than normal while I take care of myself. Today, I have a very special long-awaited guest, my friend Davis Evanoff. Davis is an incredibly talented singer and producer from Columbus, Ohio. And earlier this year, he released his debut EP in Dreams I Rise. Now, there is just so much to say about Davis. He sees the world in such a fresh, beautiful way. He's not afraid to take risks musically. And it means that when you hear his music, you are just transported to a different world, but also a really internalized world where you are forced to look at all the different facets of who you are. I'll let Davis do the talking for himself. He he will explain it. Um, But all I have to say is that um, Davis isn't a Christian musician, quote unquote, but he he has a faith in Jesus. And we have a really interesting conversation about how that influences his life, how it influences his craft. Um, Davis also has self-diagnosed synesthesia, so he can actually see music physically and in colour, which is beautiful. And he also lives with autism. So... All of these come together to create a really unique, left of fueled but much needed EP. And this conversation is a really important one. Enjoy, my friends. This is Davis Evanoff. The streets of Columbus, Ohio are filled with the sounds of world-class musicians. Rock, indie and alternative all have a home here as musicians make their mark. Enter Davis Evanoff. This producer and musician is on a perpetual mission to discover himself. Named one of Columbus, Ohio's 20 artists to watch by Tuned Up in 2020, his debut EP in Dreams I Rise gives us an eclectic, geniusly produced left of center look at what it means to grow up, lose yourself, and find what is new and real. Growing up in a Catholic family, Davis has always loved music. He lives with self-diagnosed synesthesia where he can see music and he also sees the world through an autism lens. So his innate ability to experience God in ways others don't necessarily leap to straight away makes his artistry all the more potent and richer. 
Now the pandemic also gave Davis time and space to create three separate projects without a specific destination. Now some years ago he released his hit song Cranberries, but with a vision of building a cinematic universe through his music, he actually took it offline and re-released it during the pandemic, giving us a fresh take on the pop piece, an electric video to boot. The single Blind Flight followed before Davis gave the world a piece of his heart with the EP In Dreams I Rise. Now Ryan from Tuned Up said, when I listen to Davis Evanoff's new EP, the word epic comes to mind. Knowing Davis, every millisecond of this 14 minute EP was written, mixed and mastered with precision and intention. And all of this would be suitable for placement in TV and film. What a ring endorsement. Davis pairs a five song EP with an interactive launch experience and it included visual and audible interpretations of his art. By hosting this in downtown Columbus, Ohio, he pushed the envelope with his creativity and indeed the future of the music scene in the city and dared people to experience something beyond their imagination or perception of what storytelling normally is. In the EP and through his poetry, he addresses themes around addiction, faith, identity and ultimately the destruction of self. This leads us to experience life in a whole new way. I spoke to Davis about the origins of his EP in Dreams I Rise, how his faith in Jesus shapes his craft and everyday life, and we chatted about how living with autism shapes his perception of the world and his music. Meet my friend, Davis Evanoff. For everyone who has never met you before, who is Davis Evanoff? I am, no, I am an artist out of Columbus, Ohio. Um, I started doing music. I've been doing music for a while. I, I mean, I started really playing instruments for the sake of like learning how to play them since I was about nine or 10. I started with drums and then every instrument kind of came naturally. And I started writing songs probably when I was about, probably like 13, 12 or 13. And it wasn't until I was about, 18 or 19 that I wasn't, it wasn't even like me actively seeking to find these people. I just happened to meet people that happened to do music, whether that was in Columbus or whether they traveled around. And it was, I went to school with someone, he was a senior and I was a freshman, just to give you an example that he actually does a lot of work with a CCM artist, Austin French. So he actually ended up doing a lot of work with him. Yeah. So, and there's just someone and like, he had, he had a band called Graceful Closure and he did a show in Columbus and it was like, we, I don't think we formally met, but it was like, Oh wait, where did you go to school with me? It's like, Oh yeah, I went to school with you. And it was, it was just, but it was stuff like that. It was just happened, you know, just like at certain moments, I just met people and then just kind of have kept going and going. And I always was writing. I never really pursued it intensely, but I was always writing stuff. And it wasn't, it was interesting. It wasn't until I was about 24 when I felt like this click, I don't know how else to decide what, to describe it other than the click, just like, okay, now, now you're ready. Like, I really think it was what we could probably define as divine intervention, but it was, it just felt, it just felt so quick. And then it's like, from that moment, I released my first single Cranberries. This was years ago. I've re-released it a few times since then, but I, I released Cranberries. And at the beginning of COVID, I released Blind Sight, which I've also re-released. And now I've released In Dreams I Rise. 
So that's the brief synopsis. But yeah, that's kind of who I am in a little bit of a nutshell. Love it. Now, I watched the Cranberries video last night and it's incredibly fun. It's so cool. Um, So you mentioned In Dreams I Rise, uh, which is the EP that you dropped a month, a bit ago, time is very lucid for me at the moment. But you, you um, and um, but it also like it coincided with um, nearly like an exhibition with poetry and art and um, things that I'm like, I wish that I was there so I could attend this. It looks awesome. Um, but can can you tell me about for starters the EP in Dreams I Rise because you describe it as the destruction of self which fascinates me. So tell me about the EP and how it actually formed. Oh, that was, in Dreams I Rise was an idea that probably started like about three or four years ago. I didn't know what it was going to end up becoming because I had three, over the process of creating it, there were three different versions of the EP. All three of them, completely different songs, completely different messaging, completely different like kind of ideas that I was trying to figure out. I always had the title. I always had that title, but it was something that I was trying to figure out what it meant because usually how my brain works, I kind of think of these just phrases or ideas that that title, my mom a few years back for Christmas got me a book of poetry by Lear Cohen and I was just reading through it and I forget the title of the poem, but there was an interesting poem that without giving too much of my thought process away or Lee R. Cohen's thought process away, it really resembled kind of an internal sense of self. And I thought that idea fascinated me immensely. So I started writing songs kind of in that vein, but it was like three different roads, so to speak, of what that could mean. And I was trying to figure out, at least for me personally, what was the most appropriate and also what was the most accurate to how I saw things and with myself. So the version that's released now is definitely the third version. But that's, I mean, that's essentially how it happened. It was a really, it was kind of a a tedious process and it used all sorts of different styles. There was one version that I just sampled a lot of other songs, like in hip hop, I just sampled songs. The first version was really mellow. It was like really only piano. There was nothing big or rambunctious about it stylistically. But then this version, it's a little bit experimental and it's it's a little unorthodox, especially in Columbus, where I'm from, Columbus, Ohio. It's like a very... A lot of artists don't really make music like that. And I think that without even realizing it kind of enamored me to make it like that. So I think that's really the process. It was over many years and it took a lot of time for sure. Yeah. So given now that you've like completed this, this version of the EP, you've released it to the world. What, does the destruction of self mean to you today? I think it just represents confusion, like a lot of just kind of internal kind of things. Like in the EP, there's really a lot of, there's like certain moments when there's like almost like random things that just pop out, like random lyrics, like, wait a minute, that doesn't, 
correlate to what this part is or like it just kind of veers off in all sorts of directions and that was inspired by c.s lewis's the screw tape letters because in a lot of parts of the book there was a lot of emphasis on distraction and i just thought that was an interesting idea just that i never really thought of it like that so the, i would say it's just really a lot of there's a lot of distraction kind of t- like in certain parts there's a lot of very intro like intensifying introspection almost to the point where I feel you kind of get in kind of in yourself a lot and you don't really like kind of see things in the fullest perspective. Let me just run away. Let me just run away. Just run away. Away. Let me just run away. Let me just 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 run. Just run away. Men can face their ghosts. Men can face their ghosts. Men can face their god. And into the wild, you wander. is about the destruction of self or in my own interpretation that awkward ambiguous middle stage the in-between where you are trying to figure out what is going on and you're trying to understand yourself and trying to figure out what you believe um that's my own interpretation (laughs) which is obviously good actually (laughs) um how does your ep represent a destruction or a grappling with of your own spirituality so that it looks the way it does today as opposed to at the start of this whole process? I think without giving too much of the the particular lyricism away, I feel like I said it is really, it really ponders on the idea of confusion. I think the EP really, I mean, Dreams was the hardest song to write because it was trying to figure out like, okay, where we know how this ends, but where do we start? And I really felt like with C.S. Lewis's The Screwtape Letter set a good foundation on we're just going to kind of go everywhere. We're literally going to like go all sorts of directions and it's going to be just as bombastic for the listener as it is for the character on in quotations. Um. And I felt, yeah, throughout the course of the EP, I feel like it goes more and more and more and more inward. And by the time we get to Alone, it's more of just kind of the good voice, or at least maybe not the good voice, but more of the reasonable voice. Kind of saying like, well, we're out here now. Like, you know, we, we've came from here to here. And now this is where we are. And whatever happens, happens. 
So being that I really feel, I really think that it's more of an, like a dissension more into inward thought being that in this case, destructive, because, you know, if you don't know where you're going, you know, you could go every, you could go anywhere, you know, and the song, I think the song run really kind of lays out that foundation where it's like, okay, we're running, but where are we running to? And, you know, I think run is more distinctive if for that reason, than I think dreams is because dreams is just, establishing the confusion it's establishing kind of the bombastic sense of thought and run when the song run comes on that's when okay we're going this way now we're not staying put we're not seeing the colors and the explosions around us by the time we had run it's like okay we're going and we don't know if it's good or bad or in between or what's going to happen but we're going yeah is the end point is the endpoint God and discovering God or like who, who he's truly created you to be? Or is the goal just purely to keep discovering and running and exploring? And that's actually the experience itself that we're meant to chase. Hmm. I think the end goal, I think the end goal is almost more ambiguous than that. Throughout the EP, there's not really any reference to God, which is very purposeful. I think that by the time we get to the song Rise, and that's more of a reflective point, by that point, it's more of, you know, there's, you know, it's the middle. So it's like, we don't know how it ends. So maybe we ran to the good thing. Maybe we ran to the bad thing. Maybe we... We don't know where we're going, but we're going to keep going and see what happens. I think I think it is much more ambiguous. I love that than that. Yeah, That's cool. I like that. I like that mm-hmm. you you have this ability to hold space for the in between and the uncertainty yeah. and the options. Well, I did that with Blindsight as well. Blindsight is rejo- what I how I define Blindsight. Blindsight is finding joy in the mismatch, you know, blindside is finding joy when, you know, I wrote at the beginning of COVID and there's, there's no joy when COVID happened, you know, everyone, I had friends of mine that were losing their jobs. You know, I had friends that were going on unemployment, you know, people didn't have enough supplies. It was treacherous, but I wrote blindside in the midst of that for that reason that finding something in the midst of seeming nothingness. And like I said, I felt like a lot of principles throughout my other work, I feel like I really doubled down on them in and dreams I rise in or out of context from the original source. Yeah. Like I said, in dreams I rise to me is more of a destruction of self piece and is much more reflective. It was one of the few pieces out of the few that I've created so far is one of the few pieces where I really felt the need to write more about myself than I did with my other two singles, Cranberries and Blindside, because they're not as much about me as in Dreams I Rises. And, 
you know, I am in a consistent seeking of God, like seeking for God. And I'm in consistently, and there have been many moments where I've been close to the spirit and out of touch with the spirit. And there have been many of those moments. And I feel like those moments of closeness or dissonance really contributed to the idea of in dreams I rise and who I am as a Christian, as a believer, and really understanding my own faults as a person, but also is as wild as certain times may have been as far as as close as I've been to God. I've always kept this dependence like I always stayed in, you know, not that this is the end all for things. I've always been in fellowship and I've always been in a church. And no matter how much I didn't care after I accepted Christ, as much as I didn't care, I always stayed consistent in the things of God. And yeah, and as much, you know, sometimes like as much as I jumble through being asked questions about my walk with God, I really feel that I'm in a point in my life where I'm growing much more confident and comfortable in who I know God has made me to be. So the whole, my work from this point on with music is more of, I'm seeking after components of the fault of humanity and also of the character of God, whatever that may take. So, you know, I may write about something that's completely trivial to the self, like in dreams I rise, or I may write something that's a desperation piece, a desperation for God, which is actually a few singles from now. And there's just different components of my life and other people's lives and God and other people's interactions with God that I want to write about. Those things fascinate me. And I may not talk about God distinctly, but the presence of God and the end point of God will always be present throughout my work. You know better you than me Better than I know I try to follow in my mind I see Better you than me What I see and all I need Is what'll make me free You said that so beautifully. I'm honestly also just thinking like I've I've interviewed other, I hate saying secular Christian artists because it's what the heck is that? It's just a money-making industry. Yeah, but but I, I love that. I feel like I have I've spoken to so many artists who are also like they're not in the Christian music industry, but they're just they're Christians making music. And and I feel like what you've just said would resonate with them so much. I'm like, I love that. That's like, that's why, that's why art is powerful because God is through, is weaved through it, no matter what, what it looks like. And that's why I thought originally that in dreams, I rise, wasn't going to be like really received well in the church. That's what, that's the thing I was nervous about because it is such, even in the veins of the church, it's a very unorthodox perspective, you know, and I mean, there's been artists who have done it, like Lecrae has done it 
beautifully. Like his recent projects have been, oh my gosh, they've been outstanding. And I've really, I've been really fascinated by and drawn to just the re- the real raw pieces of work that he's been putting out recently. He is just such a beautiful, beautiful human being. So when people, after this episode, they go and press play on your EP, what tra- what track do you want to point them to first? Is it like a one to five situation so they are taken through the journey or is there one track that you feel like is really definitive and encapsulates the entire EP? You know, I would classically in the process of making it, I'd probably say start from the beginning and write it to the end. But the more that I hear from people and the more I kind of have thought about it now that it's finished, I've heard a lot of interesting comments about Stranger's House, which is the th- which is the middle song, the third song off of the EP. And in my opinion, it's probably the best song I've written because I felt like I said exactly what I wanted to say, exactly the way I wanted to say it. I was really thinking about a lot of friends of mine who have been through really intense situations. You know, I have friends that have been, have been foster kids and they've been alcoholics or they've had family members who have been alcoholics and they've been in situations. And I felt like writing it, I didn't want to seem like I was speaking on behalf of them, but I, or behalf of the situation, but I felt like I wanted to convey the emotional weight of those moments. And I feel that song, at least from what I've heard from people who have listened to it and responded to it, I think that song is quite potent with people. And I think that would be an important song for people to listen to if I was to point out. But I think listening to one and one from the whole way through front to back would be a good idea. <laughs> but <laughs> if you had to listen highly to recommend one, this. Oh, yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> if you were gonna listen to one song, I would say Stranger's House would definitely be the song I would point you to. Yeah. I love what you said about trying to portray and share like the gravity and the emotion of the situation without speaking on behalf of people. That's like such a tough line to navigate. But it's so, there's so much love and self-awareness involved in making that decision to share from that, in that way. I just, that just stood out for me with what you said. And I really respect that and love that because I feel like there's a sense of internal dialogue that you really have to go through to get to a point where you're like, I'm creating this, this purpose but I'm not going to mm-hmm. speak on behalf of someone who's different to me, yet there's still merit in what I create. That's my convoluted yeah. thought process, but I really, really appreciate that. I think that makes it really special because it means your song, Safe House, it speaks on behalf of you, but also when you see this in through your whole EP, your songs speak yeah. on behalf of the listener. It's like when you go into a museum mm-hmm. and you look at a piece of art and there'll be like 10 different interpretations of the art. That's what your EP yeah. is like which makes it really, oh, really you. cool. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the, yeah, that was the whole point to have it as distinctive as possible with the emotion, but have it as ambiguous as possible for the listener. Yeah. 
touch on the exhibition or like the the launch the opening of the EP however you term it um where you had exclusive like previews of the tracks and poetry and arts such a cool concept can you tell me how the event went it went wonderful I had a wonderful turnout there was friends and family there was a few other people that came through it was lovely yeah it's something that I've always wanted to try Because I feel, at least with who I am as a creative, I feel like I have nothing to lose. So let's just try it. You know, so, and I've also, it was interesting, like as, you know, as a musician, like I would always explain to people because I always think very visually. So I would explain to people like, no, I'm, I'm a visual artist because I process all of the sounds visually and all the production visually. And they didn't, it wasn't quite understood what I meant by that. So it was kind of, and there was a visual presentation with the songs as well. So it was kind of stepping outside, like, okay, this isn't a concert. Like I'm going to present the most upfront visual piece I can possibly create for you. And that was the same thing with the poetry. Like I could have easily like said it, but I wanted you to see it. And I wanted you to like, comprehend seeing it instead of just like reading it in a book. So it was, it was definitely for the, for the desire to be visual and not to be like confined to like, Oh, I'm a musician. So I have to play it for you, you know, as a concert, like I I just rather perform it in the visual sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Um, I wanted to ask a little bit um, about, what your creative process looks like and what your art means to you as someone diagnosed with autism. Um, And I only bring it up because you had it in the presser. So I only want to discuss it in ways that you're comfortable. Um, But it it struck me as I was listening to and experiencing your EP that you were giving people a glimpse into your mind and like sharing the most vulnerable part of yourself with the world. can you tell me a bit about your diagnosis and like how that has, I don't know what aided you, but like even helped you to excel creatively because you create beautiful art, but it seems like your mind has the ability to jump to incredibly different spots that others wouldn't expect 
possibly because of of your diagnosis. Does that does that resonate with you? Yeah, it does. I mean, I would say in terms of being autistic and having that, how it correlates to the art, I, yeah, I really feel, I feel like it allows me to see the depths of sound. And what I mean by that is I kind of, I've self-diagnosed with myself with having synesthesia, which is seeing sounds. And normally a lot of the diagnosis that I've heard of synesthesia involve colors and things like that. But I really, and I wouldn't say unless I truly like saw it, I really feel that with my self-diagnosed synesthesia, I really see more of the shapes of sounds and the spatial qualities of sound and the directions of sound. And I feel like that was really, that was really heavily applied in, in dreams I rise you know, it's, it's implied with the other, with cranberries and blindside as well, but I really feel like I really doubled down on it on this EP where it's more of an exercise of production value. And it's more of an exercise of getting, getting the drums to sound right and getting everything else to sound right. And yeah, I really feel that it really has allowed me to see the depth of my work better and it's also given me like a clear definition on who I am artistically, where it's just I don't have to rely off of the musical sense. I can rely off just as much, if not more, on my visual sense, because it is, I would say, heightened being autistic, you know, where I don't have to rely as much on the musician's side of me as, as much. But I really... That's all. It's also such a broad question because I feel like I can go into like different avenues on like, this is one reason why, like, this is what helps. And like, this is what may hinder it at times. But I feel like if anything, being autistic is really accelerated the visual process of just being able to think with music and with visual art and whatever else. Do you ever feel like you ever had to overcome any stigma over like having autism in the music industry? And on that flip side, have you, have you ever felt like you've had to overcome stigma in the church? That is an interesting question. Um, In the industry, I don't know. I don't, I think maybe it's more, it's less about the stigma of autism and more about the approach in which I choose to take. Because especially with doing an entire exhibition for a debut EP for an artist who's not that famous, like no, but nobody, like no one, especially in Columbus, Ohio, like no one does that. Like I was, I was talking with a friend of mine who's a, who's a believer and she's a, she's a front lady of a band in Columbus. And I was having a conversation with her at the gallery and she was telling me, it's just like, this is very unorthodox what you're doing. <laughs> like, this is not, this is not like what Columbus artists do. And yeah, so I don't know. I would, I think it's more, I, I don't know if it's more of, I don't think it's much of a stigma in the end that I've experienced because everyone's been really supportive, but in the church, I don't know. I think, I think when people have approached me, because I experience emotions very intensely and I feel like when they're really helping me with it, I feel, I feel like when they're helping me, it's not like the idea of me being autistic isn't even like a thought. I feel like they just see me 
as a member of the church who's really, you know, it's, which is, which is night, which is good and bad because seeing the full picture versus also, you know, seeing me as a part of the church, you know, like, you know, it's good and bad for certain regards, but I really, I don't know, but yeah, in the church, like, I think it's always, it's always interesting, you know, and the church has been interesting because I just process, you know, information differently. So there may be times where, you know, it's like, oh, what's, where's this verse? And I just like, I'll just blank or I just like, you know, I'll just like freeze up because I just won't know. And it's, and then they'll be like, oh man, you know, and it's not their fault. Like they don't know, but it's stuff like that. And it's, you know, I would always hear stories about like a lot of people in the church, like still holding tight to, you know, like I'm the product of a vaccine and I'm not like, you know what I mean? It's just stuff like that. That's, it's frustrating, you know, because I feel like a lot of the perspective isn't from people who are autistic. I feel like I was reading a great book. I just, fi- I just finished actually reading a great book on the spectrum, Daniel Bowman Jr. He is actually a professor. He's a believer and he's a professor at Taylor up in Indiana. And he, it, it was such a, beautiful beautiful book and it really kind of he really discussed a lot of you know the the trials that those with autism face in the church you know where it's just like that's you know that sense of like regularity of like this is this and this and this where you know if that gets thrown off then everything gets thrown off you know not that that happens to me all the time but he really did a wonderful job of just people in the church who are diagnosed with autism, just like, you know, with service and just with interacting with other people and being able to care for that particular side that we have no control over that we have to deal with. And we have to, we have to continuously deal with. And he just, there was these interviews of people who, well, contacted him and wanted to interview him and just the perspective he gave of just, just being such a, Oh my gosh, there's just so much I could talk about him, but yeah, that, it was just an amazing book and such an amazing, an amazing piece of work that really gives something new into the veins of the church in terms of those neurodiverse individuals and just how the church can better serve them or input on how the church can better serve them. Not that that's the end all, but yeah. Out here I'm alone now. Caving at the river bend, praying on the roadside. Is the homestead maybe I'm the wind gone or maybe I've won maybe I run my popcorn questions are lighter I, we'll, but we'll see <laughs> we'll see where they take us <laughs> anyway. we'll take a gander alright so um, 
I know that there's a massive music scene in Columbus, Ohio. Um, what is your favorite gig that you've ever been to? My favorite? Oh, that's just a hard question. You're already starting me off with a brain buster. Oh, <laughs> like, promise easy. It's not. <laughs> no, it's really not. I mean, local, big, small, does it matter? Oh, man. No, honestly, I would say like the first one that comes to mind. It doesn't matter how big or small they are. And if you think of a handful, then feel free to share a handful because I understand it's hard to choose. Yeah, there's been, I mean, I love, I saw Bruce Springsteen with my dad. That was, yeah. a, that was a definite highlight. I love, yeah, he's been very influential in my writing. Um, gosh, and there's just, I mean, like just a plethora. Oh my God, the music scene in Columbus is just outstanding. It's just, there's so much great work and so much depth and oh it's just beautiful I have I mean I have a couple good friends of mine who are pretty prominent in the scene and they're just beautiful beautiful people beautiful artists and I could not imagine I know this isn't perfect to the question but I just could not imagine my art happening anywhere else other than Columbus I think Columbus is like the perfect incubator yeah for the work that I'm doing. I think it's just, yeah, Columbus's music scene is just beautiful, but there's just so many. That's just such a hard question. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's good. That covers, that covers all your mate, Bruce Springsteen and then all the other major bases that people can be like, yes, I know exactly who they're talking about. Yeah. It's like Bruce Springsteen and then every other local concert. <laughs> yeah, it works. Um, so I've never been to Columbus, Ohio. Where is the best pizza in town? Ooh. Oh my gosh. Um, there's a few, there's so there's notable ones like Hound Dogs is a very notable pizza. It's kind of on Ohio State campus, kind of on the cusp of Clintonville, which is they're right next to each other, Ohio State campus and Clintonville. Um, Hound Dogs is great. What other pizza? There's Adriatico's, which is a campus pizza spot which is i've heard is really good i think it's fine anyone from columbus ohio can get at me with that adriatico is fine it's great it's good pizza but it's not everyone's like it's such a great pizza it's fine i could get the same thing at jets <laughs> i love the passion in that it's great yeah yeah but no i mean there's there's so much great food there but pizza i would say hound dogs adriatico's um there's yeah there's just so much great food and there's like pizza places in columbus that i've very seldomly have been to if not ever have been to there's a few other local spots that i've tried i just can't recall the name off the top of my head okay well it tells me that they probably weren't quite as memorable so we're just gonna run with yeah that. probably not <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly i just it was one time i went with friends like as a mercy mission my last question, and this isn't lighter, so what was I talking about? Um, if you could go back to the start of COVID-19, like just before we started hearing about this and lockdowns and the music industry basically shut down, what would you tell yourself yeah. knowing what you know now? Don't be worried. Yeah. Things are going to be fine, you know, is as difficult as that is to say, because there are obviously real people that have had real struggles that I know personally and that I've heard of, but don't be scared. 
find contentment in the situation where you're at now and keep going. cool is Davis? He's so good. So we met a few years back uh, when I was getting to know some of the crew at Tuned Up, which is a music-based website from Columbus, Ohio. There's such a good group of people there. That's how I, I got to know the guys from Faint Heart. Um, and Davis connected with me straight away and was like, I'm working on something. When it comes out, can we chat? And I said, sure, we can. And it was so cool this year when, when he reached out, like, at this stage of the pandemic and was like, I've come up with something. It feels important. It feels, it feels like me. This is the mark I want to make on the world. And uh, he trusted me with that interview. So thank you, Davis. Thank you so much for your creative vision, um, for your brave storytelling. There is no other artist out there like you that I can think of right now. And there's certainly no artist in faith circles or no artist as far as I know with a professing Christian faith who does what you do um, which makes what you do incredibly exciting because I mean I feel like you're actually I was learning and I'm learning about a new genre of music um, a new way of seeing God so thank you thank you so much friends please go now stream in dreams I rise front to back the way it's meant to tracks one to five you can find it on all streaming outlets right now in dreams I rise and you can follow Davis on social media at Davis Evanoff Evanoff is with two f's all those links are in the show notes make sure that you connect with Davis and let him know how much you loved hearing his story connect with him he is just pulling out more and more singles like you know how marvel has a whole like marvel cinematic universe has like a 10-year vision for for their movies and their stories well, like taylor swift does with all her albums i get the feeling that davis is like that and so i don't know what singles are coming up next but i do know that they are very purposely placed uh and that in dreams i rise is just the start of a very stellar journey that is all I have for you this week, my friends. We'll be back soon with another great interview. But in the meantime, as always, please subscribe. Make sure you get the new episode as soon as it drops and go and follow us on social media. You know I love that. All right, my name is Jessica Morris and I will see you soon. Here's to hope.
ได้